0: face get your nutrition if you need a break it's so delicious hungry for games and all these dishes came here to taste no competition we got board games, we got fancy cuisine, we got Casey the Brain, we got Benita Queen, let's go on food adventures, let's go have us some fun, you're in the feeding phase, we might just eat and run.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to the first Ever inaugural episode of the feeding phase. I'm your co host, Casey, and I'm here with Benita
2: Core. Okay, Casey, so why are we making a podcast? Like, how, how did this happen? That's a great question. So, I think what excited Benita and I the most about the feeding phase is really figuring out a way to talk about two of our passions, food and board games, and to hopefully share those passions with an audience that loves to cook at home, make cool new recipes, try out new things, and also loves to play a good board game. So come along for this journey. We'll be
1: dropping monthly episodes where we talk about recent games we played and our main topic will change every month, but it will always be related to food and board games. So Casey,
2: what is the feeding phase? So the feeding phase represents that critical point in a board game where you've done all the things you wanted to do, you've placed all your meeples out, but it's time time to pay the piper. You know, the classic example is Agricola by Uwe Rosenberg, which came out in 2007 I believe, and implemented a phase where you had to feed the members of your family or else suffer severe consequences. So what could be a more appropriate title for a
1: podcast about feeding the gamers in your life? Now, before we get too far, Benita, who are you? Well, hi. I'm Benita Core, and I love food and I love board games. So I grew up playing, you know, classic board games like Clue, Monopoly, Connect Four. Didn't really realize that modern board games existed until February 2017. So I just kind of jumped headfirst into the hobby, and now six years later, I work full time in this industry as a content creator, as a social media expert, as a cultural consultant occasionally. And like a host of other things with a lot of cool projects in the works. If you had told me a few years ago that I was no longer a practicing attorney, I would have laughed in your face because what? But here we are and I am starting a
2: podcast with my best friend. So life is pretty good. So Casey, who are you? Hello. A lot of you may know me as Brain in a Jar, and my three biggest loves are science, food, and of course, board games. I'm a neuroscience researcher at the University of Washington, hence the name Brain in a Jar. And while I love the lab, my favorite way to relax is cooking up a storm and playing a good game. So Casey, why are we doing a board game and food podcast? I'm so glad you asked that, Benita. I think it's a great time to bring up our qualifications. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I am Mexican American. And I'm Punjabi American. And I love food. I've always loved to eat. And growing up, we were always cooking on a budget. And it was definitely differences of cultures. My dad's white from upstate New York. My mom is Mexican from Mexico. They both actually enjoy being in the kitchen. And so it was really interesting. And because I was a military brat, we moved around a lot. And I got to see a lot of different cuisines from different cultures, though I wouldn't say I became quite experienced with cooking until I studied abroad. And I left um, and had no money and (laughs) had to figure out how to feed myself in a different country with ingredients that weren't always prepared. You know, you can go in college days, you go to the grocery store, you can buy so many prepped ingredients. But When I was abroad, I really had to teach myself how to cook.
1: As for me, my dad's favorite saying growing up was green eggs and ham. He was a strong believer in trying everything once. So every time we would go to new restaurants, he would always encourage me to try different foods. And that's really stayed with me my whole life.
2: I love that. And it's
1: really fun because now I turn that on him with like more interesting like food items that he's never like had before. Both my parents cook and you know, I went to India every year growing up and I would stay there for a month or two at a time. So I got really, really familiar with Indian food. And then as I got older, I've traveled a lot. And one of the reasons why I love to travel is for the food. That's why anyone travels,
2: right? Literally, (laughs) it's the best reason to travel.
1: So I love trying foods from different cultures. 10 years ago, I got really into cooking. And I watched like every cooking YouTube channel possibly out there and just started really experimenting with different cuisines. I would like hyper focus on a cuisine for three months before moving on to another cuisine. And
2: I just got to get a lot of experience. Experience that way. Oh, that's amazing. Was there any hyper focus cuisine type that never left? Korean food. I still adore Korean food. <laughs> that's awesome. And now to our segment, a recent game we've played. So, Benita, what have you been playing? A recent game I've played
1: is Books of Time, designed by Philip Glauwish and published by Board in Dice. So Books of Time is all about incredible combinations and strategic possibilities. Like who doesn't like combo building? Casey, I know you love combo building. I
2: love me some combo building.
1: So the concept of book crafting is really at the heart of Books of Time. As players, you are collecting and adding pages to your book. And there are three different kinds of books. There's trade, science, and industry. Each page represents an action that can be activated and hence forming really powerful combos that really shape your gameplay experience. Efficiency becomes key as you strive to manage your resources effectively. Oh, I
2: love games that are tight on resources. Me
1: too. There's something so satisfying when you can fulfill like something with the exact perfect amount of resources. Oh, yes. Everyone also has a personal stack of objective tiles and at the start of the game, each stack is made out of exactly three objective tiles. So there's objective tiles for the uh, industry, science, and trade. Like the three books that you are building. And because there are three different stacks, as you've removed the tiles, the objectives become more difficult to fulfill, but it's also worth more victory points. So for example, in the industry objectives are like having three different symbols. In your book, the next objective would be having four different while the next one is like, for example, five. And it's just as you get as these goals get harder to meet, they're worth more points.
2: Is it a low scoring game or higher? A I forget. I don't remember. For our listeners, Benita is now checking her BGA stats.
1: So the score was 86 Benita, 82 Justin. So it was a very Ooh, close game.
2: Sorry Justin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's just Books of Time is is really fun. You know, I enjoy building these books. I think they really did a good job with theme. There's an action where you do something called close the books, there's something called turn the pages. And yeah, someone might say it's a gimmick, but it's a gimmick that works and then I'm really enjoying. I did mention there's also a lectern where what you place in the middle of the table. Wait, 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 wait.
2: What is a lectern?
1: Casey, a lectern is a bookstand that you put books on so you could read properly. I did not realize that had such a fancy <laughs> name. It's so fancy. Books of Time is very fancy. <laughs> so what you have on the lectern is another set of book and it kind of gives you a free action every round and it also keeps track of when the game ends because Books of Time is not play until you're done. It is a round specific game depending on how many players are playing.
2: Ooh, that's a, that brings up a good question. Do you prefer a game with a set number of rounds or do you like it where the efficiency of the group is what drives the ending of the game?
1: Ooh, that is a really hard question because I like both and there's games that do both really well.
2: I'm so sorry. I can't give you a better answer because I like both of them. (laughs) No, totally. I feel you. I guess like personally, if I'm playing two player at home with my partner or two player you and me, and I have no time constraints, I love no set number of rounds and that it's how well everyone's playing and driving the game forward that determines the length of the game. But I will say nine times out of 10 when I'm playing in a group or I'm playing like I'm out playing or I only have a certain amount of time to play a game. I do prefer having a set number of rounds because then it's like I know no matter what, even if everyone sucks at the game, it's going to end at some point.
1: Yeah, I get that. Another thing I like about this game is the Civilization Board. I like tracks on tracks on tracks. Casey, do you like tracks on tracks on tracks?
2: I like tracks on tracks on tracks.
1: (laughs) And so the Civilization Board has a track for the industry, science, and trade. And you're going up these tracks, you're getting resources, you're getting to do different actions. It's so much more combo building. The pages that you're activating will sometimes activate the Civilization Board or the Civilization Board will activate pages. If you like combo building, if you like engine building, if you like tracks on tracks on tracks, you will really enjoy Books of Time. (laughs) And one last note, I want to give props to Board and Dice because they use historical figures on their cards for people who were in the science, trade and industry fields. And I've had a really good time going through the appendix and looking at the history of these historical figures because they really use a diverse and inclusive range of people on their cards. And the art is
2: absolutely gorgeous and how about you Casey what have you been playing lately so I'm actually super excited to talk about the expansion for Grand Austria Hotel titled Let's Waltz this is designed by Virginia Ogili and Simone Luciani okay so have you played Grand Austria Hotel no I wish I had oh my gosh I want to play it with you really bad because I think I really, really want to like play it. it I
1: own it Casey I own I bought it in year one of gaming
2: and I've just never fucking played it We're going to get it played. So in Grand Austria Hotel, the theme is that you're running your hotel, right? And you're trying to get these patrons into the seats. They have orders. They want their crumpets and tea and red wine. Who doesn't? (laughs) So they're actually coffee, wine, cake, and shootle. And so that's what the customer wants. That's what the customer gets. So you're trying to fulfill these customer requests, get them into their room, shut the door, right? When they're done. Now, how do you do that? Well, it's a dice management game. So you have all of these actions that you can select from that have dice. And the power of that action is how many dice were rolled there. So at the beginning of every round, you're gonna take a pool of dice based off the number of players. You're gonna roll it, and then you're gonna separate them all by number. And there's six actions on the board. Board. So if four fours were rolled, the action strength of the action that's four is four. How many times can I say four, Benita? Uh, I don't know. Say it one more time, Casey. But that's how you're determining <laughs> your actions in the game. And one of the cool things is when you're getting resources, you can only get resources based off of their like how valuable they are. So for example, obviously cake is more valuable than strudel. So when you take the action that allows you to get cake and strudel, you have to take more strudel than you do cake. So it's a really interesting game because it feels very tight. You're trying to accomplish all these things, but you only really have 14 turns. Like that's a
1: really tight game structure, which sounds really cool.
2: Definitely. And that's just the base game. I was able to get Let's Waltz to the table. So this is the expansion that came out a couple years ago, I believe for Grand Austria Hotel, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. And they happened to have it at one of my favorite local game stores here in Seattle. And so I picked it up and I got to try it. It has five modules and you don't have to play with all of the modules. The big module is the Let's Waltz ballroom module, right? So now when you finish with your guest, instead of setting them to a room, you can send them to the ballroom to go dance. And it's actually kind of imperative that you do because if you don't, if you aren't represented in a ballroom during one of the scoring phases, you lose points. Okay. It's a negative five points. Oh, wow. Okay. So that hurts. And everybody who is represented there is earning points. So it's like double negative. Right. You know, because they're going to be earning and you're going to be getting negative. So it's definitely a module that if you include it, you cannot ignore it, which I love because sometimes it's easy to bring in an expansion and you don't even use the new board. Yeah. You know, because you're still so busy with the base game. Agreed. And then the other modules are pretty basic. One of the modules adds a first player component. So if if you know the classic Grand Austria Hotel, it's a snake order. So if you and I were playing Benita, it would go me, you, you, me. Then the next round, you, me, me, right. you. Right. Right. Yep. But now there's a first player token. So I'll start as first player. And unless you take the first player action, I'm going to be first player the rest of the game. Oh, that's interesting. Do you like that change? So I really liked it but I know people we played with Were you first player the most time? I was first player in the beginning <laughs> thanks to Shwazi. <laughs> but I do know the person who started as last player did not love it and they missed the snake draft. Though so they did excellent in the game. I don't think it hindered their playing ability but they definitely had to take the time to take first player and then I had to take the time to take it back because I was not going to be last. <laughs> Another module just adds more cards so obviously super Easy to implement. You have a fourth module. Now, this module was one of my favorites. It adds a little hotel section to your board and it gives you a superpower for like the entire game. So, for me, oh, I, I love that. I know. And you get to draft them. So it's not like random, right? There's a drafting okay. and it's based off of how much you bid from your starting money.
1: Oh, okay.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you lay them out. There's the exact number as the number of players. And these hotels give you really cool powers. Like mine, the one I ended up getting, let me steal dice from neighboring actions. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I could increase the power of my action. Nice. And let me tell you, I used it every time I could. It was absolutely incredible. Right. Yeah. And then the final module is the celebrities module. Now, I wish we would have played with all five celebrities. Was the one module we didn't choose? Oh, it adds okay. Three new dice, and I think it's actually one of the more comp. It's it's not as it's not as heavy handed as the ballroom, right? Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit more than the others. And when I was teaching the game, I could see the players at the tables' eyes glazing over the minute <laughs> I pulled out that fifth module. They were like, mm-hmm, "Okay, no more. I'm done." I mean, that's a lot
1: of modules to add. Like, that's a lot.
2: <laughs> it's a lot. And Grand Austria Hotel, there's already so much you're trying to get done and accomplish in the base game. Yeah. So if you don't play it as often, it's hard. And I do know, I really loved it. Do I think any of them are forever? Like I would never play without? I don't know. A person at the table said they don't play Grand Austria Hotel enough to take advantage of the expansion, but they were really excited to play it. So you want to know one thing that did kind of irk me for the Let's Waltz expansion? Of course. So in the base game, Grand Austria hotel the strudel is a brown cube okay and on all of the cards for all the patrons, it is a brown cube. When you go to Let's Waltz, the strudel is represented by a yellowish tan cube. So when you mix the components of the game, okay, and you're looking at the cards, the color is the wrong color. So it's now this like yellowish color instead of brown. But the cubes are brown. So when you're looking at a brand new card, you're thinking, do I have enough of this yellow resource? And you don't even realize it because you're looking down and it's represented by actual brown resource cubes.
1: Ooh, that's a little frustrating. I feel like that was a
2: problem they could have probably avoided at the manufacturer. So uh, if that didn't make sense, the original cards, the strudel is brown. On the new cards, the strudel is yellow, but they put a picture of strudel on top of it. Oh, okay. But when I look at a brown cube, I don't think strudel. The strudel isn't brown, the strudel's like yellow. And then to make it even harder, the newest resource in Let's Waltz is champagne. And guess what color the champagne cube is? Oh, no, it's yellow. It's yellow. (laughs) Yes, it is a different shade of yellow. But my brain the entire time I was playing it kept thinking I didn't have strudel and I had like three brown cubes sitting right next to me there for strudel. That's
1: definitely not a great decision that they've done because Yellow and brown with a card issue, that's that's
2: hard. It's insane. And I felt like I was the only person at the table who, like, actually cared. I kept complaining about it over and over again. And everyone's like, yeah. They're just like, we got it, Casey. Like, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. One of the guys I was playing with was like, well, you know, it's hard to color match. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Basically, like, Casey, <laughs> you're being hysterical right now. <laughs> I
1: was the only woman misogyny at its finest. Okay, but I will say my solution (laughs) to your problem is to go get like the upgraded bits for strudel and
2: cake and champagne. Oh, that's so true. But then when you use the old original base game, they're not going to have the pictures. They just show the cubes. But the bits will be actual strudel. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That makes sense. I guess I just need to upgrade. But also for clarification's sake, that is a big issue.
1: I would never suggest oh go spend the same amount of money you spent on a game for upgraded bits. That is not an actual like good solution. <laughs> but for Casey, I'm going to say
2: that. <laughs> it is one of my favorites. Yeah. So I'm probably going to do that. Um but yeah, I was just like the whole game I couldn't I couldn't stop complaining about it.
1: <laughs> oh my god. That's so funny.
2: Every month we're going to be having
1: a new topic and for our first ever episode, we wanted to talk about our
2: perfect three-course game night. Casey, what does that mean exactly? Okay, so can we jump back to early 2021? Yes, I know the sad, really, really height of the pandemic. But there was a trend going on TikTok, which was the four-course game challenge. And what couples or friend groups would do is they would do rock, paper, scissors, and each winner would choose like the appetizer, and then the entree, and then drinks, and then dessert. And they would go literally to different fast food places. <laughs> to go pick up these items or even restaurants to get to go. Yeah. And I just fell in love with that tradition. So Miguel and I decided to do a four-course game night. So we like did rock, paper, scissors, and we paired games with food and um like and had a, a similar like time structure, right? So a filler would be an appetizer, while for a main course you would do something that maybe takes an hour and a half, right? And then dessert would be something sweet, nothing too too long, something you're tired. You know, you need something quick before you go to bed. And honestly, it just became a tradition. Right. So I was excited for us to introduce ourselves by showing you what would be our perfect three course game night and what foods we would pair. And I also want to mention that Benita and I are catering to two different audiences tonight. I'll be talking about a three course game night for two players. And I'm going to be doing the perfect game night for
1: three to four players. Appetizers. Appetizers. So for my game night, we are starting off with a light salad, but it is called a kuchumber salad, which is roughly translated to a chopped up salad. So um, this salad is like Persian cucumbers, onions, baby radish, cherry tomatoes, salt, cayenne pepper, black pepper, and fresh lemon juice. So this salad can be eaten by itself, but it's also meant to be eaten with the main dish that I'm not gonna talk about yet. Um so it's like it's like Not cheating, but it it goes with the main dish that I'm I'm preparing for my guests. Is it something you can make ahead? Yes, and you can do all the chopping and slicing ahead. Maybe you would add the fresh lemon juice right before your guests come in, but if you can get all the prep ready, because you want the cucumbers, you want the onions to taste like, you know, a little bit. You want that crunch factor in your kochumbur salad. Talk to me about the dressing. So the dressing is very simple. It's the fresh lemon juice, it's salt, it's cayenne pepper because Indian people like their heat even in their salads. Of
2: course. <laughs> and a little <laughs> bit of the black pepper.
1: It's so simple and actually a lot of other cultures have a very similar salad like in Persian uh, food. There's something called Shirazi salad. Basically the same thing. Maybe like a little bit different in like the spices. One thing that makes it more like uniquely Indian is uh, baby radish. We I really like radish. So I think that adds a really interesting like texture into the salad that's not common in other salads. Yeah, they're just so spicy. I love radishes. Uh, Me too. Underrated root vegetable. (laughs) So I thought a really good pairing for the salad was Green Team Wins designed by Nathan Thornton and published by 25th Century Games. To win, you have to get on the green team, stay on the green team and win because that's what the green team does. They win. And that is 100% taken from the green team wins entry because I thought that was so funny. So what are you doing in green team wins? It is a super fun party game. I have probably played green team wins over like a 100 times. Everyone starts off on the loser orange team, you're going to randomly taking questions off the deck, there's gonna be three different types of questions, there's gonna be something called fill in the blank, this or that or multiple choice. And there's also a board game expansion, y'all just FYI. Um, it could be like your games versus a mirror trash game or multiple choice can be like favorite ice cream flavor. Vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. There's like really interesting questions. And what you do is that on your player board, which is a dry erase marker, you write your answer down and then simultaneously you reveal the answers. The majority of the answers win and they go on to the green team. If you're already on the green team and you're in the majority, you stay on the green team. And if you're on the green team and your answer is in the minority, don't, 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 you go back to the orange team. I've taught this game to so many people and they love it. And it's just, it's just a really chill party game. I just
2: I love it so much. Have you played it, Casey? I have played Green Team Wins, and it is such a delight. Um, I'd love to know since you played it so much, how do you keep it fresh? Because well, I enjoy it. I tend to find that it's something I play once with a new crowd and maybe not bring out again. I don't know if you felt similarly. Well, there's so many cards, so I
1: sometimes if depending on who I'm playing with, I will like go through the cards and maybe choose like some really like fun ones. And I love that. That makes sense. Yeah, and like you know, like the board game expansion pack like I definitely obviously bring it out for my board gamer friends and I make sure it's not included for like if I'm introducing to my family because they'll be like what is Ameritrash and how do I explain that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I learned I learned some facts about my friends and family that I was like shocked I'm like that's your favorite ice cream flavor like how can you be so wrong
2: (laughs) oh my god that's so cute I love it
1: how about you, Casey? What is your appetizer and game accompaniment?
2: Okay, so Benita's serving up for four-ish people at her game night. For me, this is date night. Okay, this is what I do best. So first course, drinks. We gotta, you know, look ourselves up a little bit. (laughs) Heck yeah. Have a little bit of fun. So (laughs) I'm gonna do, since y'all are getting to know us, I tried to be classic with some dishes that I really, really love to go to. And my favorite cocktail recipe to make at home is a margarita. But not just any margarita, a pomegranate margarita. Ooh. I swear by these. I call them Casey's Deadly Margaritas. They are very well known amongst people. Why have I not had a Casey's Deadly Margarita? I've known you for so long now. I'm actually so sad that I didn't make them when I came out to visit you. I blame getting sick. But next time (laughs) we are together, I need to make some Deadly Margaritas because they're really good. I
1: think you'd love them. I think what we're going to have to do is when we are at Gen Con together, we're going to have to go to a liquor store and get the ingredients for Casey's Deadly Margaritas. (laughs)
2: Let's talk about those ingredients. Okay, so a margarita is classic. If you're putting too much, you're doing too much. Okay. Like you don't want to do too much to margarita. Um, I do two ounces tequila. My favorite tequila is Jordito's Reposado. I think tequila is technically like even like a champagne. Like if it's not from a certain region, is it even a tequila? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. And so I use two ounces of that. And then I do... About half an ounce to an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, just depending on like how spicy the lime is um, that day. And then I do two ounces of pomegranate juice. Now with pomegranate juice, you don't need to make a simple syrup. Right? Like, so I don't need to boil down sugar water or do any of that. The pomegranate juice has enough sugar in it to sweeten my cocktail. Are
1: you using, like, fresh pomegranate juice or are you buying, like, that, um, like, palm pomegranate I,
2: juice? okay, I'm a cheat. I just buy palm. Ah. No judgment. Exactly. If you use fresh pomegranate juice, I would probably do some sort of reduction with it with sugar to sweeten it up a little bit, I would imagine. Half an ounce of an orange liqueur. Could uh, a different, you could like, orange liqueur also could be like a triple sec, right? Exactly. Triple sec. Um, I like Contreau. Okay. I think it's cheaper. I like Contro too. It's my favorite. It's yeah. not as expensive as Grand Marnier. It's not as cheap as triple sec. It's the perfect Goldilocks thing. It's like right in the middle. <laughs> Ice, sh- Bacon? Done. Um, salted rim? It's up to you. I don't do salted rims because it's a mess. Um, but let me tell you, that margarita is going to put some hair on your chest. <laughs> and what am I pairing this deadly cocktail with? Botanique. Botanique is designed by a team of designers, Frank Critton, Gregoire, Largy, and Sebastian Pouchon. The artist is Frank Dion, and it's published by Space Cowboys. So Botanique is a two-player game. And in the game, you're laying down tiles and you're also set collecting. But the way you do this is really interesting. So there's this like main board that you're sharing between both players. One player has their side, I have my side, and then there's a middle lane. Okay, Okay. And every time a new tile is revealed, I have a choice. I can either put this on my side of the board or in the middle lane. But if I put it on my side of the board, it can only go in certain spaces. So it has to match by color or type, one of the two. So if I pulled a red pipe looking structure and there's another red pipe looking structure, they don't have to be the same. But as long as they're the same color, I can place it on my side of the board. Okay. Okay. Now. It's on my side of the board. I want it but it's not in my network because what I'm ultimately trying to do is set collect right and build this network of pipes and flowers so how do I get these tiles that I want onto my board well that's where the middle lane comes in so the middle lane is what you're matching to when you're placing new tiles out so in order for me to get a tile I have to unlock it so when I draft a new tile which you're doing every round right you're grabbing a tile instead of placing it on my side of the board I can place it in the middle of the lane and if I place it in the the middle of the lane and say it's a yellow pipe and I placed it on a tile that was connecting a red pipe. Well, now it's yellow and red. They're no longer connected. So it has this unlocking mechanic where now that tile is free and I can immediately place it onto my player board. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting because now I'm building this like network, but I have to be very strategic because I don't get to just choose my tiles. I have to take them, match them into this central area, then hope I can unlock it later. And then once I've unlocked it, I have to be able to... To orthogonally place it and I can never close off my loop. I have to make sure my loop can always take on more pipes. Okay very interesting. You play until all the tiles have come out. It's definitely one of those fillers that every time I play it, it just tickles all the good parts in my brain Yeah. for like making these really cool strategic decisions, maybe getting yourself caught up, hoping something would come out and then it didn't. And then being like, oh, I have to change my plan now. But it's also done in a time period where you're like, oh, that was beautiful. I wrapped it up. I built my beautiful pipe structure. I've scored my points and you can play it again right afterwards or move on to the next game i love games
1: that like feel like heavy but in a short amount of time okay so two things um one I didn't start using the word orthogonal in my daily vocabulary until board games. Not diagonal. (laughs) Um, And two, what you haven't mentioned is like, yes, I haven't played Botanique, but I've seen the art and it's so weird and quirky and funky and I love it. I love that it's so like unique
2: and um, it just, it's it's a cool vibe. Oh, it's amazing. Definitely recommend giving Botanique a try. I think it's severely underrated right now. Meh, meh, meh.
1: Main course. For the main course, we are diving into... Petricore. Petricore is designed by David Cherkop and published by Mighty
2: Boards. Petrachor is a little bit of a mean game,
1: as Casey can tell you. Yes,
2: I can <laughs> definitely attest to being on the receiving end of a nice ass whooping from Benita and Petricore. It was <laughs> I not t- fun. I love salty. Let me let me be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tried so hard to be nice, but I don't know if something about Petricore just brings out the worst in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I do not think she tried very hard guys. <sighs> Slides. She's lying to you. <laughs> In Petricor, you're manipulating clouds and water droplets to nurture crops. Um, you can rain drops onto specific fields to ensure the right amount of water for harvest. So timing and control are key as like players are trying to influence when and how often the harvest occurs. You're trying to strike a really delicate balance uh, for maximum points. It's, it's a really unique experience. It's very much uh, area majority type of game which I really enjoy because it's really interactive. You can use the wind to move someone's water droplets to another piece because I did mention this. It's a modular board and depending on the number of players you can change it out and there's a lot of different ways and each tile of the board are different ways to score. So let's say I'm on a tile that like if I have the most water droplets I get 10 points. Casey and I are tied. I can manipulate the wind and make one of her Precious water droplets go onto a different tile, which I have done to Casey before, um, and I just enjoy that. I enjoy that, you know. Don't play with people who get their feelings easily hurt, like Casey. Um, but... <laughs> Shade. <laughs> no, I just I really enjoy how interactive it is, and it's it's a wonderful game, and it's also gorgeous. Yeah, Benita talk to me about these clouds. So clouds it's kind of like the real world. After a certain point, like the clouds become too full of water droplets, they have to rain down. You can also make them rain down earlier based on like various actions that you can do. And if you time it well, you can bump clouds into each other. making one super cloud. There's just, there's a lot of fun things that like thematically work as well. And I'm not talking about the expansions, but they have had so many expansions like a flower expansion, a bee expansion, a cow manure expansion that adds some methane into It Like, it's really cool. <laughs> so what pairs well with petricor? So petrichor, I mentioned that harvest is really key in timing because that's when you're scoring your points. What pairs amazingly well with kajumber salad is kadai goat or goat curry, um, which is a really popular dish enjoyed in Punjab, which is northern India. And Punjab is known for being the breadbasket state of India because there are a lot of farms and farmers there. a.k.a. a harvest. Aka, there's a harvest and petrichor, y'all. I tried my best, and I think that is a perfect tie. <laughs> I think, I think I see what you're doing here. Yeah, you're harvesting farm. There you go. There you go. And so, what is the dish? So, like I said, yes. goat curry. That's the easiest way to say it. What makes it unique is that you're making it a karai, which is a thick, circular, like very deep cooking pot. It's kind of similar to a wok.
0: Oh, and
1: it's just like it's like a you use it in a lot of Indian cooking, and like you know you. Make this big kurai of meat and then you just place it on the table, and it's great. And people just put it on their plates, so it's a great for like a oh, you know family style of eating, which I love to do. Kurai goat is a really spicy dish with like to have like tender chunks of bone in goat or lamb. I'm specifically talking about goat that is slow cooked in a curry with like ground spices, onions, tomatoes, green chili and yogurt. A lot of other like countries will have this dish like this is a very popular dish in Pakistan. One way that their dish is different from the Indian dish is that they don't use onions in their masala which I find fascinating because like interesting onions is a base of masala like in so many Indian dishes. Kind of giving an overview of like how your actually making goat curry is that you're taking garlic ginger you're peeling them you're grinding them you're mashing it up and you're cutting onions you're cooking and boiling all these aromatics together because your kitchen's gonna smell amazing because who doesn't love the smell of like garlic and ginger and onions (laughs) like cooking in oil you're gonna add like tomato sauce to it as well and then you're just adding out your really traditional like Indian spices which is like I mentioned before salt chili pepper garlic masala garam masala cumin coriander turmeric now Benita let's Let's talk about these spices. How do you store your spices? I'm really glad that you brought this up. I don't know what it's called in English, but we have like 15 spices in a container. It's called a namak dani. Namak means salt. All of the main spices that we use, like basically everything I just mentioned, all the dry spices are there because it's easy to use. You use a spoon, you put it into your masala that you're making. Totally.
2: Well, that sounds amazing. So you're making this goat curry. So I'm
1: making, so all, everything that I've described is just the masala. That's what takes like the long time because you are like cooking this masala with all the onions, garlic, ginger, all the spices that just said for like 20 to 25 minutes just cooking it in this karai, but you haven't added goat yet. Then you add chopped goat meat and then you cook it really, really well until like this like dry goat is covered in the spices and and then you like add water or like any like cook it for like 30 to 40 minutes and like then you garnish with cilantro so it's like a, it's a process it's not a short it's not a sh- like quick dish it definitely takes time but oh my god is it so worth it and like goat curry is generally um spicy so like you know make sure we add a lot of green chilies in there usually I pair my goat curry with uh some naan or arthinduri roti there is some really good frozen naan and roti that you can Buy at like an Indian store or an Asian store. I don't personally make them from scratch. You can also buy them from like an Indian restaurant. That's just a little one step too far, um, and they taste just as good as like fresh. Okay, that's not it's not just as good, but it's like eighty percent there, and that's good enough sometimes. <laughs> Man, now I really want to go get some.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what this podcast is going to do to us. It's going to make us hungry. And I hope it makes you hungry out there. Yeah. And if
1: you ever make like one of our dishes, like please let us know.
2: We would love to know. <laughs> oh my God, please. Um, we will definitely be dropping our socials. You can tweet us at the feeding phase and show us your pics. We would love that. Okay, Casey, what are you pairing with your deadly margaritas? I'm trying to be as realistic as possible here. Okay, people? So we have to have progress throughout the game night. There has to, we have to feel that growth, right? So I can't do our appetizer of drinks and botany, and then stop and say, okay, I got to go cook for an hour. I'll see you later at dinner. So what I'm going to do instead is a little bit of prep before game night. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get the main course ready. And for my main course, I am making braised lamb shanks with some roasted vegetables. Ooh! Yes, it is one of my favorite recipes to cook. Um, I absolutely love lamb shank. It's one of my favorite cuts of meat. I braise it. So the beauty of a lamb shank is I can get that going and you leave it and forget it. And I imagine that's kind of similar with the goat curry because once you get it going, it's got to simmer, right? You have
1: to baby the masala for the first 20, 25 minutes, which I'm similar to like you have to make the
2: braise and then you just let it go. Exactly. And like I brown my lamb shanks, right? Get them nice and dark. I pull them out. I just do a really simple salt and pepper for that process. And then once I remove them, you can add in whatever type of vegetables you want. If I had everything in my fridge that I needed, I would do chocolate up carrots, celery, and onion, right? And then a little bit of tomato paste in the bottom. And then you can add in some sort of stock. Honestly, I just made this dish a couple of days ago. I completely forgot to buy carrots. I completely forgot to buy celery. All I had were onions, three very dried up red chilies, and a ton of garlic that was already sprouting on me. Oh, no. So I was like, Okay, I'm gonna make this work because I really want lamb shank. So, yeah, I just chopped up my onion. I threw it in there. I threw in all three chilies with just the head removed, and uh, they were a little wrinkly. I'm like, they're good. There's no mold on those suckers. <laughs> and I like got all the garlic didn't even chop it crushed and just threw it straight in. I peeled out some of the roots that were coming out. And honestly, I had the tomato paste. I had everything else. It was delicious. I didn't miss the carrot or the celery. It was one of the best lamb shanks I had made in a really, really long time. Oh, uh, so that's good.
1: awesome. Once
2: you've gotten those veggies cooked down, you've added in your tomato paste, you can put those lamb shanks back in, fill it up beef stock until they're about like three quarters of the way. If you can cover them up, they, they're they going to need like two, two and a half hours, right? And before I even get the lamb shanks going, I will have prepped and chopped up a bunch of vegetables, right? Like some potatoes, root vegetables, some turnips, whatever you like, chop them up, get them ready to throw in the oven, preferably choose things that cook at the same rate. Yes, don't do a bunch of, you know, potatoes and starches, if you're going to be cooking it with like asparagus, if you want to do those type of roasted vegetables, like asparagus and mushrooms and zucchini, that's 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 delicious too. Just make sure whatever vegetables you're roasting have similar cook times, right? It'll be a
1: really good pairing with what you're talking about, the
2: lamb shank. Roasted beets. Oh my God, yes. See, some roasted beets, some roasted potatoes, a little bit of everything. Mm. Oh, so good. Chop them up oil them up, put lots of garlic powder, salt, pepper, some cayenne. Ooh, it's going to be so good. And then I'm just going to put it off to the side because that's not going anywhere, right? And um, while those are braising, we've now played our botanique. We've had our margarita. We're feeling good. I'll go over. I'll flip over the lamb shanks maybe if they need it. But then we're moving on to our main course game. Do you know what game pairs best with the lamb shank, Benita? What pairs best with the lamb shank, Casey? A Feast for Odin by Uwe Rosenberg. I knew it! I knew it was gonna be an Uwe game! (laughs) I knew it was gonna be an Uwe game. I knew it. (laughs) It's the feeding phase here. I had to start us off with some sort of game that has a feeding mechanic in it. I love it. And of course, I want to talk about one of my favorites A Feast for Odin. So I won't just be talking about the classic A Feast for Odin. I really want to focus today on the expansion, the Norwegian. Norwegians. Apparently, I am all about the expansions today, (laughs) but I recently got to the table the Norwegians expansion for A Feast for Odin. Benita, have you gotten a chance to play A Feast for Odin? I do, and I love it. It's so good. Have you played the expansion? I have not. Well, that makes sense because I will say the Norwegians I heard was recommended for people who play at smaller player counts like A two-player game. Right. And some of the things that it brings is like the action board now. Instead of the classic action board in the base game, you can turn the action board based off of how many players you're playing with. Oh. So you can make the sites more competitive in a two-player game. Oh, I love that. Oh, yes. And A Feast for Odin is so heavy. And not – okay, look. If you know an Uwe game, I think you can get a Feast for Odin. Sure. You have the 12 steps. It walks you through it. You know what you wait, do. Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Let's clarify. Let's clarify. If you play his like farming games, if you know Uwe from like Bonanza Patchwork. or Patchwork, <laughs> then this is like a little bit of a step up. Let's let's, let's
2: <laughs> preface that. I think that is an excellent <laughs> clarification. I always forget like how versatile yeah, he is. He's a very versatile designer. <laughs> (laughs) I'm not trying to say that it's like the most complicated game, but it isn't a game that I would jump to to teach new people, like Uh -uh. to teach my friends. So I really love playing it with my partner at the two-player count because I don't have to teach it to anybody. We both know the game. So I was so excited to get the Norwegians expansion because I really wanted to see if there's a way we could make it a little bit more competitive. I also love the breeding component in all Uwe games. Anytime I can make more animals, I just want to do that mechanic over and over again. <laughs> um, and now with this new action board, breeding is a little bit more, you can, it's a better strategy than it is in the base game. Okay, cool. And it also adds pig breeding and horse breeding as well. So obviously, A Feast for Odin, very loved. Number 23 on the BGG list. But I just need to get it to the table more often because I will say every time I set that game up, I set up as a beast for of all. It is not an easy game to set up. It's a table hog, especially with the Norwegians expansion. When you get into it, it almost feels like every time I play the first round of A Feast for Odin, it's like the first time I'm playing the game. Oh, wow. Because it is so overwhelming with choices because you're seeing this huge action board, right? I think
1: there's like over 80 worker placement spots. Like that's a lot. It's insane.
2: (laughs) It's absolutely insane. Yeah. And then you start off with... a fair amount of workers I think you have five or six workers in the first round of the game you, there's a lot of things you can do and it's like what do I do I don't know what to do and yeah. so we're sitting there and we're playing it and I'm always like wanting to make this perfect decision <laughs> and you know there is really no that's one of the good things I do like about A piece for Odin right it's not like mm, when you think of a game like say a game that's notorious for this is chain magnet yeah you have to have a certain opening move or else you're going to be a little SOL later on down the line right
1: yes that is very true
2: (laughs) but I do feel like a feast for Odin you can just start kind of going out right but there is Mm -hmm. this urgency not to waste your your actions because it is only six or seven rounds depending if you're playing the short or long game right and while a game does take me a few hours to play through I am so like enamored with every move and wanting to make the perfect decision but i just think the way Uwe combines his worker placement and polyomino placement is just beautiful
1: dessert okay casey we had your deadly margaritas you had
2: your amazing tasty lamb shanks how are you ending your game night Okay, so it's the end of the night. We're tired. We just played a feast for Odin with the Norwegians expansion. It was a couple of hours. We're also incredibly stuffed from all of that lampshake. So I want something light, something simple, and I do not want to cook. So I'm using the popsicles I prepared the night before. That's right.
1: Homemade
2: strawberry popsicles. One of my favorites. And they're actually really easy to make. All you need are fresh strawberries, water, sugar and lemon juice, preferably fresh. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your strawberries, you're going to muddle them up. You need a popsicle former, right? right? Right. They sell them everywhere. They're really easy to get and, and they're machine washable. You're going to muddle strawberries into the popsicle form and then you're going to fill it with this lemony sugar water mixture all the way up to the top and then freeze them overnight. Then the next day they're absolutely going to be delicious strawberry popsicles with fresh chunks of strawberries. Ugh, I love. But what would I pair with something so bright and colorful? Well, I would pair that with the perfect dessert game Project L. Oh, nice. You played Project L, right? I love Project L. It's so good and it's such a good game after a heavy game because the last thing I want is like too much, right? Like Project L is just satisfying. It's just like a satisfying game to play. The pieces are bright and colorful just like the popsicle and you're fitting all of your pieces into the beautifully shaped double inlaid Board.
1: Also, you got the polyominoes in your mind after Feast for Odin. So you're like, let's continue on the polyomino train. And also, actually, Casey, what is a polyomino? Because we're, again, using a
2: word that's very board game related. Polyominoes are like poly, meaning many. The amino meaning a shape of, of multiple square pieces that are placed together, okay? So you have like your classic domino, that's gonna be two of these squares that are pushed together, okay? And then you have all of the different shapes that have multiples of these squares placed in different areas. So think, think Tetris.
1: Tetris is such a shape. Think of
2: the different shapes that are coming down. Those are all polyominoes, okay? So Project L, absolutely satisfying game and it plays in like 20 minutes. Honestly, every time I've played Project L, I've wanted more. Me too. I've wanted more rounds, more time to do more actions. And it's an engine builder. You're getting these shapes and you're literally like getting better shapes into your engine to produce more complex builds in more efficient time. So definitely recommend Project L for the perfect dessert game. Project L is designed by a team of designers, McCall Mikes, John Sukal, and Adam Spinell. And it's published by Board Cubator. All right, Benita, bring
1: us home with your dessert. So we are going to stay on the very Indian vibes of my dinner train. Love it. And for those of you who don't know me, I don't really have a sweet tooth. Oftentimes I want just one dessert. Oh, I get what you did there. So I'm going to be serving to my guests Just One. To be clear, I am talking about the board game Just One designed by Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter and published by Repos Production. So Just One is where you are giving a one word clue so someone can guess one word, but Any duplicate words are discarded. Very much a hive mind game where like if the word they have to guess is chocolate, what if I write strawberry? What if I'm like Hershey? Hershey. But like a third person would be like, oh no, is Hershey too obvious? Should I make up something else? So it's just it's a fun little meta evolves and like how well do you know your guests? But like even if you're playing with strangers, which I've I've played to introduce this game to strangers, you pick it up so quickly. It's a cooperative party game where you are playing together, you're trying to beat the like scoring system, but I have never once played it that way. I just play until like everyone's had a turn or until people are like done. They're like they don't want to play anymore. To pair this very fun game, we are making a dish called Mango Tango. Uh-huh. Mango Tango is a dish my mom has made ever since I can remember. I grew up eating this dish. Um, it is such a simple thing to make what you do you before everyone comes over you make this dessert and then you put it into your fridge so mango tango is a combination of orange jello you make the jello like you just go buy a packet of (laughs) jello nice you make the jello and you put in the fridge for setting but then when it is half set not partially not beginning when it is half set you take it out Uh you put in a tub of cool whip like a small tub of cool whip and then you put half a can of sweetened mango pulp Mm. that is key It's got to be sweetened mango pulp. Okay. You mix all three ingredients together. Then you put it back into the fridge. You let it set. And it is one of the most delicious mango desserts you will ever taste. You will... It's so simple. Three ingredients. That's it. But it has been a hit at like... My mom, that was like her most requested like dish at like potlucks and like gatherings. She has made this dish like hundreds of times probably and it's delicious. It's so good. Thing is, you know, my main course was gokurai and it's spicy. Kurai goat is really, really spicy. So mango tango is the perfect, perfect dish to like, you know, maybe if your like mouth is a little bit on
2: fire, like you you have some mango tango and you cool it down. That sounds like the best menu. I mean, you really hit all the parts, right? You have freshness and brightness with your salad in the beginning. Um, can you remind us of the name? It's called Kuchumber Salad. Basically like cut up salad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then we have the spicy and the umami with the goat curry, right? And right. then you finish it off with something to cool off the palate and really refresh your senses and get a little bit of sweetness because it sounds like it's not too sweet. It's not overly sweet. No, it's not. I love that. Oh, that sounds amazing. And
1: that wraps up our first ever episode of The Feeding Phase, the podcast where
2: Casey and I talk about food and board games. And we really hope you got to know us just a little bit better after hearing about our three-course game night. Because we're so new, we would love a follow on our Twitter and Instagram at The Feeding Phase. Or give us a thumbs up on whatever platform you're using to listen to us right now. Benita, where else can we find you? You can find me everywhere on the interwebs at Benita underscore K. That is
1: spelled B-E-N-E-E-T-A underscore K. You can find me on Twitter,
2: Twitch, TikTok, and Instagram. Casey, where can we find you? Well, if you look under Brain in a Jar, you can find me across most social media platforms, specifically TikTok, where you might also find some clips of the feeding phase. All right, y'all. Keep gaming and
1: eating.
0: your nutrition if you need a break it's so delicious, hungry for games, and all these dishes, came here to taste, no competition. We got board games, we got fancy cuisine, we got Casey the Brain, we got Bonita Queen, let's go on food adventures, let's go have us some fun, you're in the feeding phase, we might just eat and run. We got board games, we got fancy cuisine, we got Casey the Brain. We got Benita Queen Let's go on food adventures Let's go have us some fun You're in the feeding phase We might just eat and run I
2: love it, that was cute, that was cute